Bring them out, bring them out, bring them out, bring them out. It's hard to yell when the bat rails in your mouth. Woo! Bring them out, bring them out. 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 Bring Welcome to the Fantasy Football Fiend Podcast with your hosts, Zay, Young Vander, and Bro Jeff. Welcome back to the best new fantasy football show on the air, the Fantasy Football Fiend Podcast. I'm your Jose. Yeah, that's customary. Bonjour, Konnichiwa, Hola, Uten Tig, and what's poppin'? We have a tremendous show in store for you today. I got my guys with me, Bro Joe. How did the people, Bro Joe? What's going on, Fantasy Fiend family? And my guy, Young Vander. How did the people, Young Vander? Fantasy Fiends, what's going on out there? All right. So if you're looking for us on Facebook, you can join us at the Fantasy Football Fiend. That's F E I N. Fantasy Football Fiend family at facebook that's the facebook group ig fantasy football fiend and on twitter at underscore fiend if you're looking to get any information to us on possible spots advertisement promos things of that nature hit us up at our gmail account which is fantasy football fiend at gmail.com again f-e-i-n so Let's go ahead and get into it. We got a lot of news to cover. We have a lot of happenstances that have happened, and we have your NFC South breakdown. I promise you're going to enjoy every bit of this hour-long show, and we're going to make sure that we give you the info that you need to make sure you dominate this season. And look, Beans, the season is right around the corner. We literally now don't have – we don't have – very much more time to wait at all so let's go ahead and cross the t's dot the i's and make sure that we get into that cash this year or if you just play for fun you get your bragging rights this year but let's go ahead and hop into your news and now your fantasy news all right so we have quite a bit of news coming from camps and you know, injury reports and things of that nature that's going on. Chris Godwin is still on the men. It was confirmed by Greg Allman that the Bucks wide receiver, Chris Godwin, is a candidate to open up the season on the pup list. And I know we talked a little bit about the pup list last week, but there are, I would say, two different versions of it, if you will. So you have your two-week pup, no big deal. A lot of times that, that was just introduced uh, last year, year before. Or last, I want to say uh, last year, um, as far as COVID was concerned. So it was one of those things where, hey, we need to be able to have guys on the roster without people being out a month and a half due to an ailment that they could probably get over and uh, test negatively on in a couple of weeks. So that's why the two week pup list was introduced. But the pup list that they're speaking of, as far as Chris Godwin is concerned, is actually the six week pup list, which actually makes it make a whole lot more sense of why the scuttlebutt around Tampa Bay has been saying that the wide receiver 
that came from ATL. I forget his name. Somebody help me out. Gage. Russell Gage is now going to be a bit of a value when you can get him at, you know, next to nothing. And he's not going to have competition for targets for the first month and a half, seeing that Gronk is gone. Antonio Brown is gone. Chris God when it's hurt. I mean, you have your outside receiver with Evans. And then after that, who you got? You got your running backs. You got your, you got, you got Gage, Brait, and then the rookie, uh, the other rookie uh, at tight end. That's pretty much all you got at that point. So Scotty Miller's still there. You know, it's a couple of, you know, it's a couple of guys there, but I really believe that based on this information that Gage may end up being a bit of a value. And we're going to have to kind of monitor that as we get a little bit closer because nobody's really checking for him. Right now, he's going, uh, you know, in the parts of the drafts where people are just kind of taking dart throws and hoping for the best. So that may be a guy that you want to put on that watch. We have Robert Tunyon still dealing with ailments as well. So I know Robert Tunyon, we were talking about him being one of those guys that you may be able to pick up a little bit later on if you're not checking for tight ends earlier in your draft. And he might be one of those guys that is – you know, a stud out of necessity based on the lack of weapons that Green Bay has. But it's looking like he may not be ready for week one. He may end up being on the pup list as well. What was being said by um, one Mr. Snydman, Matt Snydman of The Athletic, he wrote that he'd be surprised if Tunyon isn't ready to play by week six. So indicating that he may end up on that six-week pup list to start the year as well. But that means that this guy is going to be one of those guys that ends up being waiver wire gold as long as you remember a week beforehand versus a week after when someone else has already, you know, taken them from you. Or for that matter, you know, some people might be willing to throw them on the squad at that, you know, that last bench spot, whatever the case may be. Personally, I would let them stay out there. If someone else drafts them, they'll be willing to trade them after about three, four weeks anyway. And then they've held him for the bulk of the time he's not going to play and you get him right before he hops on the field so um, i wouldn't necessarily just let a roster spot remain idle for a month and a half out of the season to be clear desmond ritter quarterback in atl the rookie extraordinaire the head coach arthur smith has been thoroughly impressed by this guy's football iq he's very intelligent per smith there are a lot of things that are going on. I mean, there are a lot of things that go into playing the quarterback position that he's being asked to do. And uh, behind the scenes, he's coming through with every single one of those things that he's been asked. So Marcus Mariota may want to watch his back. Um, the way this quarterback competition is looking and the fact that everything that I hear out of Atlanta is about how well Ritter is doing. I'm hearing nothing at all one way or the other. As far as Marcus Mariota is concerned, that may be a little concerning for anyone who thought that they may have had, you know, a diamond in the rough as far as Mariota is concerned. Not to mention the fact that Mariota tends to get these ticky-tack injuries. So the fact that Desmond may take his job based on talent and couple that with the fact that Mariota normally gets hurt based on the way that he plays, Ritter may be one of those guys that, you know, in a two-quarterback league, if you decide to wait at quarterback, he may be one of those guys that you can get at the tail end, and by week two or three, he's the starter for the rest of the year for that team. So just keep that in mind. Um, we also have Cam Akers in camp, feeling like he's 100% healthy at this point. Cam Akers may be another one of those guys that kind of hurt people who drafted him early um, year before last when he got hurt and everything. So 
this may be one of those times where you can get a value. You can get a guy that would have otherwise been drafted in, you know, probably the second round. You can get him around four or five just because people are in that wait and see mode. And if he messes around and ends up coming back to form after suffering that Achilles injury last July, you may have a diamond in the rough here. You may have a number one running back that you can get in, you know, third, fourth, fifth round, whatever the case may be, just depending upon how that works out in your particular league. So Cam Akers is definitely one that I will be keeping on my radar based on the fact that I kind of like to go a wide receiver early so I can get those studs that are going to be reliable. And then I can get, you know, the, the running backs that are number one on their team that are still going to get the yards and still should get a decent amount of touchdowns, but I don't necessarily have to spend a first or second round pick on. Speaking of running backs that are showing and proving, Dontrell Hilliard, running back for the Tennessee Titans, he's been getting a lot of work in with the one with the ones and has been impressive. So he's taken that second string running back job by storm. I know a lot of us were thinking that that could possibly be uh, the rookie high signs job, but it doesn't look like Dontrell Hilliard is going to give way to the rookie as far as that position is concerned. So we do know now who the cuff for Derrick Henry is going to be, and that's going to be Dontrell Hilliard. But not only is he a cuff, I believe that the Titans, because they are so run heavy, you're going to see them using multiple running backs. They have more running backs than they have pass catchers. So I can definitely see Dontrell Hilliard getting in the game and being a big part of the game, even when Henry is healthy, just based on the way that Tennessee wants to play the game. Continuing along with Tennessee, Nick Westbrook, I guy, he's kind of shaping up to be a decent sleeper. Um, I say that because as of right now, the only two wide receivers that have ever caught an NFL pass in an actual game are Westbrook and Woods. Add to that, you have Hooper, that tight end, who is now positioning himself to be Ryan Tannehill's favorite target. I kind might be a steal as far as being a valuable wide receiver three kind of sits on your bench for bye weeks or maybe he blows up week one week two you can go ahead and package him up with another maybe running back wide receiver and actually upgrade and get someone who you know that should produce throughout the year that isn't likely to be a flash in the pan but because of that flash in the pan someone else may be willing to kind of take the risk on him keeping that same sort of momentum throughout the year. So these are just things that we have to keep in mind as we make draft picks. No one's going to trade you for the old guy who was able to do it three years ago, but hasn't done it since. You're wasting a draft pick when you when you, you know pick guys of that elk. Kenny Pickett, rookie quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, he, he's going to be pretty much stuck behind Trubisky at this point in the game. He's practicing with the third-team offense, guys. So all that good stuff that we've been hearing out of Atlanta about Ritter, we haven't really been hearing that about Pickett. And he was supposed to be the most pro-ready based on what you know a lot of people were saying prior to the draft. But he's still you know, putting in work every day. But the quote is, it will be an uphill battle, to say the least. So looks like Trubisky, again, for you guys in two quarterback Superflex-type situations. This may be, he has the pass catchers there. And if we remember, he's a runner of the ball as well. So he has that working for him. His floor 
should be decent enough that if you wait on quarterback, this may be the quintessential guy this year. He may be what your Winston's in the past, what the quarterbacks that we don't really mention by name as far as being great quarterbacks, but however, they can put up fantasy points on a weekly basis. He may be like a Daniel Jones type before Daniel Jones got hurt. You know, he, he's athletic. He can put up points with his feet. And because they're going to be behind in some cases, just based on the division that they're in and things of that nature, although they have a tremendous defense, the division that they're in is one of the most difficult to keep from scoring, which which is why they have to have a tremendous defense. So, Yeah, what I just wanted to chime in is that we don't have to watch this battle throughout training camp and into the regular season. We got to think Matt Canada has had this system in place for two years. There's a lot of similarities with the ball's offense. So I think it's a no-brainer why Trubisky's will be picking it up. I would I would assume the terminology is different, but the play calling and concepts are the same. So Pickett is just you can't take that three as like he's he's doing horrible, but just they're not going to rush him and to be a starting quarterback. That's great, but we I would watch lists you know in year round Pickett just to be on the safe side if you put on year round because he it, to to your point he's still pro ready, but it's just not a rush to put him on the field. Uh, just for the audience to know, it's a lot of similarities between Canada's offense and the balls. And so it's obviously, you know, why Trubisky would probably excel and do pretty well. And also, too, why the second-year quarterback would be favorable as well in the offense. I mean, what would happen to just Trubisky just better than him? I mean, people like, like, this is a surprise. This isn't to me. I thought if we had missed Trubisky in this past draft, he would have been what? What quarterback you think he'd have been? Probably QB1. Okay, yeah. then. So, and it probably uh, would have been higher than where Pickett is. Correct. I mean, he would have, he'd have been ranked over Pickett. So, it's like, uh, I don't understand why everybody's like, oh, it's it's not a surprise. I mean, he have an uphill battle because Trubisky may just be a better quarterback than him. Granted, Nagy was horrible as a, a quarterback's coach slash uh, head coach. But Trubisky has a lot, a fairly amount of inconsistencies, particularly with the longer passes. And just being instinctual with throwing people open. Like I was actually watching uh on you know one of these uh you know tacticians kind of break down his film. And though he has some promise and he has great poise in the pocket and stuff like that, obviously within the last season uh being played with Chicago, he just fairly inaccurate, too inaccurate. And you're not gonna get that from Pickett at all. Pickett is super accurate. I think he's one of the more accurate uh, passers in this year's draft and probably in a long time to be honest well not not exactly i'll probably put him up there with two as far as accuracy at the same time we still talking about a former pro bowl quarterback for a reason yeah, yeah he, he, he made, he a pro made the pro bowl, bowl in chicago which which further <laughs> speaks to his talent when he's able to circumvent and overcome the idiocy that was in charge there to still actually put up no uh, p- people forget like right. Trubisky was one of those guys that actually helped people win championships when he was in Chicago because he was one of those guys that no one cared about you can get him at the tail end and because of his running prowess he's able to not sink you even in the weeks that he doesn't do so well passing the ball and in the type of team that Pittsburgh has right now you got to think about it Ben Roethlisberger not the not Big Ben just just over the hill, Ben Roethlisberger. And I'm not talking about Big Ben in his heyday. I'm talking about Roethlisberger that's about to retire. That guy put up numbers when he wasn't hurt. 
Trubisky right now is better than Ben has been for the last two previous years. So if you like Deontay Johnson, if you like <laughs> if you like my guy Mapletron, who thinks he's a top three wide receiver in the league. I don't know if y'all saw that article or not, but uh <laughs> Yeah, I've seen the interview. That's ridiculous. Yeah, Chase Claypool claimed that uh, he feels that his talent puts him as the top three wide receiver in the league. I'm trying to verify whether or not he's still a top three wide receiver on his own damn team, but that's neither here nor there. At any rate, with the amount of talent that they've accumulated, they also have Pickens, and they also have Fryer move. They also have um, Najee Harris, who can catch the ball out of the backfield. I don't believe that Trubisky is going to be asked to carry the team the same way Big Ben wasn't asked to carry the team in his last couple of years. He's just going to be asked not to screw it up. And he has the skill set to not only not be able to screw it up, but to actually be able to advance in this offense. In my humble opinion, it could be hard pressed for Kenny Pickett to start next year as long as Trubisky don't screw it up. Because I think Trubisky just has that extra gear that kind of makes him a little bit more difficult to prepare for than just the accuracy that Kenny Pickett has. Like, think about the difference between a Matt Ryan and a Mariota that doesn't get hurt. Mariota just has that extra something, although he isn't as good as being a passer of the ball, because he has that extra that extra gear in him, that, that, that one more thing to prepare for, he could actually put up more fantasy points. I'm not indicated in any way, shape, form, or fashion that he's the better QB, but for fantasy, you have to make sure you get those guys that gives you that higher floor, and then the ceiling will be what it is. I just think Trubisky is underrated. People are just on him real hard about a Chicago play again. I say he made nobody a, did he, like like I said he <laughs> did he did make a Pro Bowl there. And if this guy, now think about it, if we saying Nagy is that bad, didn't they make the playoffs too? I believe I so, played. but they had a really good defense. But yeah, true. If they, if everybody's saying Nagy is that bad, this guy played decent to good. With Nagy versus look how yep. Fields look with Nagy. Yep. So he was still able able to overcome such bad coaching and still make a Pro Bowl. I mean, somebody's got to talk to me, man. I just think that name, everybody's like they down on him. Like he's not. I, I, I actually like Trubisky, and if you're like a, a guy like me, if you go on quarterback late, especially in a two quarterback league, and you go on kind of like your pass catchers and, and skill players first, this is a guy that. That can win you some games. I think uh, it's going to be just as good as some of the top guys. I mean, because he got the weapons. I, I think he's going to be a good guy. I think he's going to do well this year. And I'm not surprised by the Kenny Pickett being in the background as far as getting that starting gig. Like, it's not surprising me. Everybody's like, oh, I mean, I thought I just think he's the better quarterback. We have Chris Olave, wide receiver from New Orleans. He's showing improvement in camp. And this team as a whole, I believe, has been slept on just a little bit. But when you have Chris Olave as your number two outside wide receiver with Michael Thomas being the one, and then Jarvis Landry, who's also looking good in camp, being in that slot position, whoever ends up throwing them the ball shouldn't have a hard time putting up fantasy points. So you guys keep in mind what New Orleans has put together here. They have some guys who can really run and go get the ball. And Chris Olave, I believe, is going to end up being the cream of that crop. If he doesn't overtake the wide receiver position this year, I can definitely see him overtaking that wide receiver one position next year and then maybe kicking the can on down the road with one Mr. Michael Thomas, who honestly the team and the player have just been trying to get along more so than thriving. It's definitely something to keep your eye on there. Another young wide receiver, not a rookie, 
but another young wide receiver that definitely is fitting his quarterback skill set right now it's looking like kj hamler of the broncos is the best fit for russell wilson's skill set if you recall a few weeks back i was telling you guys that kj hamler was saying that he kind of wants to be the tyler lockett for uh, russell wilson on this particular team and we were looking at you know the jerry judy's of the world and the tim patrick's of the world and the suttons of the world and i kept reminding you guys that kj hamler is actually the most closely related skill set wise to russell wilson's favorite wide receiver so again kj hamler is going to be one of those guys he he's probably going to be the fourth off the board as far as broncos right receivers are concerned and he may actually mess around and end up being the best value of them all if if he puts up any points at all based on where you're going to be able to pick him up he is going to be the definition of a value in fantasy. i like kj hamler it's a shame that there's so many talented receivers in front of him because he's one of the few people that came out of Penn State ready to go. Well, you know, obviously him and Godwin came out of Penn State. But nonetheless, what I'm trying to get at is on any other team, I'm thinking he's probably closer to a wide receiver too than anything. But since there's so many other receivers, you know, from Patrick Sutton, Judy, he's touted as a fourth option, but he is really good. So it's somebody I'm going to be watching as far as like health and injury and stuff like that. And sky's the limit we wouldn't have seen judy go off if hamlet didn't get hurt my personal opinion i can see that as well i mean it's a six in one hand half a dozen in the other Uh, judy is the more popular more polished if you will coming out of um, bama but kj hamler is the one that just gets on the field and gets it done this dude is a flash he is speedy as they come so that's just something to keep your eye on you might be able to get a guy for next to nothing. Maybe he's one of the guys that you kind of backfill once you make a trade or someone gets hurt or whatever the case may be. But keep KJ Hamler in mind. Uh, just a few more items to cover with the news. Alvin Kamara is now bracing for a six-game suspension stemming from his issues this offseason. Um, if you guys remember, several months back, he ended up, I want to say he was in the nightclub or something like that, ended up getting into a fight assaulted a guy beat him up pretty bad it was somebody else that was involved that's an nfl player as well that might be facing the suspension i just don't remember who was with him in that particular brawl might have been a defensive player too so that may be why it's not on my fantasy radar at any rate kamara is looking at a six game suspension the significance of this is again he's a pass catcher for new orleans as much as he's a running back a lot of these wide receivers are going to get out to possibly a little bit of a faster start based on the fact that Kamara isn't there to steal any of those touches or targets. Another guy that's going to be a bit of a value, at least for a month and a half, is going to be Mark Ingram. Regardless of whether he's the Mark Ingram of old or whether he shows that he's on his way out the door and this will probably be his last team or last year in the NFL, doesn't matter. You can get him with you know your last pick and he's going to be the starter for a month and a half. Figure out what to do at that spot after you get to that month and a half. Maybe you package them up, send them on down the road with, you know, whomever else, you know, as a throw in when you get to like week four or whatever the case is. And he's been putting up, you know, touchdowns every week. Things happen every week in football. Somebody's going to get injured. Somebody that was already low at running back may be the one that gets that injury. So they may just be looking for someone to get them through the next couple of weeks, knowing that Kamara's coming back. But I very rarely look at fantasy in its totality. What I mean by that is I'm not looking at who I think is going to be good for 16, 17, 18 weeks. 
I'm looking at fantasy in, I would say, in chapters. So chapter one is normally weeks one through four. And chapter one is not the whole book. Doesn't matter if you're 0 and 4, 1 and 4, 2 and 2, or 4 and 0. That is not the whole book. First chapter in the book sets up everything else that's to come after. So I look at fantasy, as far as redraft is concerned, in about four to six week time frames. As I do my draft, I'm looking at who's going to get me off to the most profitable start for that first month, month and a half that I now can possibly trade these guys at a little bit of a higher value than I feel they may end up with the season-long prognosis in mind. Then I'm trading for a guy who maybe didn't quite live up to the hype, but I also know that, well, his first four weeks were against the toughest defenses that he's going to face all year. Or unless he's just completely falling off the map, his good games must still be to come. Vice versa, unless this other guy just went from being ordinary to otherworldly, his bad games are to come. So I now want to trade him to you so that you get the bad games and I've gotten the benefit of the up. So I never look at it as, well, if he's doing good week one, week two, that means he's going to be good all season. Depending on the player, that may be the case, but I always just look at it in spurts versus looking at the long haul until we get to about hmm, week 12-ish, week 11 or 12-ish where then you can start looking at playoff schedules. You can start looking at, you know, how many more wins do I need to be in the playoffs? Can I maybe trade a guy that's been a stalwart on my team but has a horrible playoff schedule for a guy that maybe isn't going to get this other team into the playoffs, but the guy that I'm trading to them might be able to kind of help them get through that door just to be able to make the playoffs. These are things that you got to just keep in mind. And lastly, as far as news is concerned, we have our weekly Deshaun Watson saga. This is almost becoming a segment of the show at this point. 20 of the 24 lawsuits against Deshaun Watson have now been settled, according to attorney Tony Busby, as of Tuesday. So the NFL investigation is still remaining ongoing. The lawsuits are still been settled. That means there's still four out there and four is still plenty enough to kind of derail what Watson and his team may kind of have, you know, thought out in their mind as far as the timeline is concerned. But I believe that the whole thing is going to be over and done with prior to camp starting up towards the end of July, beginning of August. Now, the other thing that this brought about was the fact that there's a story out there that the NFL and Watson's camp are now negotiating his punishment. I believe that that bodes well for Watson because you have to look at the fact that the NFL floated to the public and to Watson's team that a year long that a year long suspension is most likely to happen at this point, right? So what that tells me is that's the NFL letting Watson's camp know where their frame of mind is prior to them sitting down because that was floated out prior to the negotiations, right? So unless you're just horrible at your job, you're not going to negotiate additional games suspended, which means the max is going to be one year. So if you're willing to sit down and negotiate with me and your max is one year, that also tells me and my sales mindset that you're willing to accept something a little less than a year. Maybe it's not the six to eight games that the current CBA calls for for this sort of thing. But maybe it ends up being right around, you know, 10 to 12 games. 
And I honestly believe that the NFL had this all in mind prior to putting out the schedule. Because why would you set up the Browns going up against the Texans in week 13 unless you thought that Watson was going to be back by that particular time? Frame? So I think that they floated out that year-long um, suspension to kind of appease the public and say, hey, we think this is as heinous as you guys do. But behind closed doors, they're like, okay, look, um, I know we really can't suspend you for that long. What's the max you guys are willing to take? Eight games? No, that's too short. We got to meet somewhere in the middle. No, we want eight games. Okay, well, we don't want to talk anymore. Th that's kind of how these things work out. Uh, but they have quite a bit of leverage, in my opinion. You have the Houston Texans involvement in this situation now that's come to light, and they are part of the um, lawsuit as well. I think that's how the money came up so quick. Think about it. We've been going over this for how long? And then like a week after the Texans were named in the lawsuit, all of a sudden, Money is produced to pay off 20 people. I don't think that's Deshaun Watson by himself. And the other thing is a similar type of act was done by an NFL owner, and he didn't get so much as a sternly worded letter. So they do have a little bit of leverage. Also, the other leverage is, yes, there were 24 complainants, but there are also 24 jurors that said that there's not even enough to see here for a court case. Not talking guilt or innocence, right? And that's neither here nor there. I'm, I'm, I'm focusing on the information that we do have. And I can only dare say that the jurors involved have a little bit more information on the case than we do. So if 24 people said that there's not enough evidence that these 24 women were assaulted in any way or there was an actual crime committed. And if you look at the timeline, we're talking about 17 months, right? Quick math, that's 68 weeks. It was said that he was with 66, he had 66 different masseuses. Okay, quick math. That means he's getting a massage once a week, right? Is is that really that far of a stretch for an athlete that puts in as much work as he does and gets his body beat up as much <laughs> as he does? A once a week massage? I don't think that's that much of a stretch. I'm just saying. I don't think that. But what he did do was every single week, he asked every single woman that put, put her hands on him, you want to fuck? That's what he did. That's legit what he did. That, that's what we, that is not a crime. For me, the picture is getting clearer and clearer with the more information that we get. That man got a massage once a week. You're not about to tell me that you got 66 women working in all six. As a matter of fact, you would have to have 66 if he was serviced by 66 of them, unless he got around to every single one of your employees. What massage probably, you know, got 70, 80 women? Just in there and every week you get a different, I'm telling you, like, if you just set aside the disgust for a minute, there's some things that just, it's one plus one equaling four in this whole case. And for me, at this point in the game, these people have been paid. Not even one of the 24 ever said that they were assaulted or raped or anything of that nature. And Big Ben got a six game suspension and there was evidence of rape in that particular situation. So we're going to give this guy a year just because you don't want to be helpful by the Me Too movement? That's essentially what it's kind of boiling down to, in my opinion. If you have the same number of jurors as you have women complaining, and, that, and, and I can only imagine that a good part of that 24 were women as well, not even enough evidence to go to court. Again, not saying guilt or innocence, but not even enough evidence to go to court. Well, what the hell are we talking about here? I, that's, what, that's where I'm at at this point as far as Watson is concerned. because. What the NFL is about to mess around and do is get into a game of morality. And for the people that you have employed and for the owners that you have employing those people, don't get into a morality game. 
the news came out a few weeks ago about what, what was going on with uh Jerry Jones and his you know infidelities and and and, and his uh whatever he had going on children popping up out of out of out of wedlock that he either knew or didn't know or tried to pay off to pretend like he didn't have and you got the whole thing going on with Snyder you got the whole thing going on with Robert Kraft. like do do we really want to open up this morality box if we're the NFL versus just saying hey you either committed a crime or you didn't and let's move on with life like I really believe that this they're going to open up Pandora's box and then the lawyers are then going to be speaking on a lot of the things that they either let slide or didn't have nearly as big of a punishment so I mean that, that's just kind of where I am on it I feel like it's so weird like you know I, that's why when the FBI came involved to do um into the investigation for you know this coming i forgot how you articulate it and it's funny two seconds from now i'm gonna know the word but it's crazy how they got involved oh, extortion there we go for the extortion part of it like it's right. clear that Watts is like oh Watts about to leave oh the bag is going let's try to get something on the way out that's how i look at it and to your point like ben roethlisberger he settled the first rape charge and then the second one the lady dropped the charges she never once said that she that he wasn't guilty she, she actually said paid. the opposite <laughs> so it's just like once settled the second lady dropped the charges for whatever reason and that's just crazy how he only got six games and we're looking at watson about to miss a year to your point he got a massage and he asked for something you know for something afterwards and also to your point who carries 66 masseuses if they don't know what time it is like i think it's bullcrap that ben only got six games and they're going to probably give him an extended amount of time but with to your point going to schneider Schneider had cheerleaders popping pussy for, yeah. for everybody. And they had to settle with those cheerleaders more recently too. And now Congress is going into the stuff going yeah. on with the Redskins. So it's like NFL got themselves in a weird boat. I'm hoping that they lean to giving him like a six to eight game suspension, even though I feel like he shouldn't get any game suspension for getting some ass. That's ridiculous. But anyway, I digress. It's going to be interesting to see how this comes out because right now everything is basically planned towards public opinion not towards the bylaws that you've created according to the nfl rules this is supposed to be a six to eight game suspension that that's what's that's what's in the cba right now and that's why the player advocates are getting involved now saying hey we can't just make up rules midstream we actually have a precedent for this you know okay so let's look at it this way right and, and, and i'm walking a fine line but don't hear what i'm not saying okay what the nfl came up with after ray rice was if you commit any type of domestic violence if you commit any type of a assault um against a woman it's a mandatory six games right so if getting knocked the fuck out gets you six how does asking for some ass after your massage get you a year that's where i'm at with it like like i i, I mean you already have a rule in place unless we're talking about the law saying hey you committed a crime and you're not going to be able to play football for two years you really think the nfl would have suspended michael vick for two years for killing them dogs no the law did that right so what the nfl is doing now is they're trying to become the morality police that's a very fine line to walk when the law has already said there's not enough evidence here so what's going to happen when Watson and his camp attempts to sue you for him to be able to play the same as other guys have already done. The law has already spoken on their opinion on this particular case. So you're going to lose if, if you're the NFL, if, if it actually goes to court, him suing you to be able to play. So that's why I think they're negotiating. What the NFL wants is once they say you're out for this amount of games, they don't want an appeal. They want it to be and is what it is. 
we're over it, moving on type of a situation. We'll see how that ends up working out. And there is actually one last thing as far as news is concerned, and we'll go through this real quick. I saw a little blurb that the Minnesota Vikings, their new offense is going to be predicated upon the path. They're no longer going to be a run first off. And this was Justin Jefferson that was uh, explaining how elated he is about the changes in the offense and about the fact that he actually feels that he and the other pass catchers are going to be looking for even more success as far as the passing game is concerned. Cook, uh, Dalvin Cook and the guys behind him are pretty much going to be a change of pace sort of a thing versus being the mainstay of the offense going forward. So if you thought Jefferson was good before, you give him more targets, he's going to give you more points. I say hop on that train and prioritize Jefferson. You got to think Kevin O'Connell is one of the masterminds behind what just happened in the Super Bowl. He is heavily on these vertical concepts, even more so than Clint Kubiak, who we talked about a lot during the last offseason. He knows how to matriculate the ball. He's going to be very methodical with the ball, but he also has a quarterback who does the same exact thing. So it's it's not far-fetched to think. Cousins might not have the arm in Stafford, but he loves these vertical offenses that get the ball downfield. And I think that's going to insinuate all the weapons around him because he got Osborne. You know, we'll get into in another segment, probably in the next month. He he has tons of weapons. And I think this makes him a valuable target. Kevin O'Connell is a, a really good parent to what we can expect from Justin Jefferson and also the offense as a whole. I'm big on that. I actually have Justin Jefferson, the number one wide receiver this year in fantasy football. Facts. Coming in. As do I. I know a lot of people got Cooper Cup, and that's cool. He had the one good season. That's great. But this guy, first two seasons in NFL, he's number one. No one has had a big of a first two years in NFL history than Justin Jefferson. And for that reason, and with the new coordinates coming over from the Rams, it's a no-brainer. He's, he's on, my, on my list. He's the number one wide receiver this year, so... And the other thing is Cooper Cup has Allen Robinson, and he also has a running back that's you know able to catch out of the backfield. Also, they have a tight end there that is able to catch the ball fairly well. That There's a little bit more competition for targets if we're looking at the Rams um, in comparison to Minnesota. Although Minnesota does have the young talent, you wouldn't put Allen Thielen at this point in his career on the same arc or on the same level of talent for me personally, as I would in Allen Robinson right now. Allen Robinson, I look at as his, his numbers plummeted based on his situation. If we're going to talk about how bad Nagy was, well, guess what? Allen Robinson was there for that entire Matt Nagy experience. So I really believe that he's going to do himself some favors, and he's actually one of the guys that I have on my values list as well. That pretty much wraps up the news. Let's go ahead and get into this NFC South breakdown. All right, guys, so first up, alphabetical order. Obviously, we have ATL. Now, ATL does have a couple of guys that I'm going to have on my values list. They also have a guy that I have on my list of grab them if you want them. Um, I won't be mad at you for where you had to go get them. So to start out right now, their top outside wide receiver is Brian Edwards. Their guy second up is Drake London. Then they have... Uh, Zacchaeus as their slot guy. At quarterback, obviously, they have Marcus Mariota. 
and Desmond Ritter. Running back, Cardell Patterson, Damian Williams, and the rookie, Tyler Allegier. I think it's how you pronounce his last name. That could be way off, but Tyler, the rookie, as their third string running back as of right now. Um, a couple of things that stand out. As much as I did not like Brian Edwards with the Raiders, he's kind of one of the only guys in town right now as far as wide receiver is concerned. So with Brian Edwards and with Drake London, I think these are going to be guys that if you went running back heavy, maybe if you got a quarterback earlier in the draft instead of getting your wide receiver, these are going to be guys that are going to be around for a little while. Pretty much everybody on this team is going to be around for a little while outside of Kyle Pitts at tight end with Anthony Furkser backing him up. Kyle Pitts is the guy that I say, hey, if you want him, go grab him and figure out the rest behind that pick. Luckily, you don't even have to get him with your first or second pick right now. Um, you might be able to get him in the third or fourth round. I believe he's going to be exactly what the doctor ordered, whether it is Mariota at quarterback or whether it's Desmond Ritter at quarterback because of the lackluster guys they have at wide receiver. So I kind of feel like Kyle Pitts is going to be taking the next step in his maturation process. If I am any defense going up against Kansas City, Kelsey is going to be my vote for sure, bar none. The next best pass catcher they got at this point is who, Juju. I'm not really, if Juju beats me, Juju beats me, but we're about to bracket the shit out of Kelsey every single play. I don't care what the play is. It could be a running play. We bracketing Kelsey. Is what it is. I believe that Kelsey may end up, although he's going to still be a top tight end, I think he's going to take a little bit of a step back. If Baltimore does what they are indicating right now they're going to do, which is get some of their other pass catchers involved, Andrews won't be the target hog that he has been as of late. There aren't really any other tight ends talent-wise that I would put up there. Um, Kittle, he's in the same or similar situation. We noticed last year, and I had a conversation with this with Vander last year, I noticed that whenever Debo Samuels is healthy, Kittle is damn near a block first tight end, although he has the pass catching acumen. As far as I'm concerned, the guy that has no one, again, I say no one on his team that's more talented than him, and a guy that has no one on his team to take targets from him is Kyle Pitts. Although you will have to spend what I would still consider an early round pick on him, I think he's going to be one of the safest picks in the draft this year. Even if his starting, current starting quarterback is supplanted or gets hurt, whatever the case may be. Definitely in love with uh, Kyle Pitts. I mean, you got a guy that was a thousand yard um, receiving tight end last year, right? He finished eighth and only had one touchdown. So, I mean, the sky's the limit. You know, tight end is usually the hardest position to, to, to from college to pros. And this right. guy came in, got a thousand yards the first year. Man, I think he's going to take off this upcoming season. He's definitely going to get over that one touchdown. But I like him a lot more with Arthur Smith because uh, if you look at it, when Mariota was with the Titans, some of his, some of his best seasons, Delaney Walker, 2016-2017, Delaney Walker finished six overall both years at a tight end position and had over 100 targets as well in both of those seasons. So I definitely see Kyle Pitts getting involved. Um, I agree with you with some of the things you were saying about the Kelsey, the Andrews. This guy could very well be the number one tight end, even though he's ranked maybe like third on the rankings. Very well could be. I yeah, think. so uh, he very well could be the number one tight end. I mean, he's he's the best weapon on the team as far as receivers. I mean, yeah, you got the Brian Elwes coming in, guys like that. 
the, the Drake London, who's who's interesting. I'd love to see how that looked. But Mariota, just, you know, the tight end, always been a, a, a good friend of his in the offense. Yep, always. So I like Kyle Pitts when it comes to that. Looking at this team, man, and, and yearly, I mean, if you're in a two-quarterback lead, of course you go with Mariota due to the legs. He definitely be on your team. Quarterback two, maybe a bench, a guy you could fill in on bye weeks. But man, you don't you don't know. There's a real big question mark on the rest of these guys because with a guy like Cordell Patterson, what is he gonna do this year? It's kind of hard to ask Nothing for a repeat. Guy. It's, yeah, it's kind of hard to ask for a repeat from last year. And then you got the Tyler Alger, the rookie. I think this guy's gonna definitely. He's good in dynasty as, as well. You should have this guy. I think he's gonna push for some uh, some some reps this year. He only has Damian Harris in front of him, so. I mean, Damian Williams. So yeah. I'm definitely going to push for some reps this year. He should be a good a good addition. But as far as yearly, the only guys I like on this team is Pitts and maybe Mariota, a two-quarterback lead. Everybody else is just a question mark on them. As far as like, you know, uh, Zacchaeus and the rest of the guys, it's just a it's a question mark. But those are two guys I love on the squad. I try to find as much value as I can with the Falcons. We all agree with Pitts. So I don't want to beat a dead horse with him. I think he's a – one thing I like about him, he's a very mature player. So I don't see anything but, to your point, a positive regression. He really takes his craft seriously. He really locks in. And, and year to year, even in college, he, he continuously got better. So I, I don't expect anything less. But to your point, him possibly being the best tight end – in football, when it's all said and done, going over to wide receiver, Drake London to me, because there's still some unknown, you know, to him being in the NFL. I'm going to kind of value him as a wide receiver three, and I can't wait to put my put that into rankings in the context for the viewers later on. He has tremendous upside. He's really, you know, one of those people who's going to live up to the name because he, you know, had he not broken his ankle, could have lived up to more than just the hype, could have been a top wide receiver taken in the draft. And he's in a great position. He's he's going to more likely not be the first wide receiver um, as far as progressions and targeted heavily in this offense. I love Brian Edwards. I don't have a man crush on him as far as year round, the same as I did in Dynasty. But it's somebody you guys definitely need to uh, take a look into. I always try to keep up with like US Today. Mariota has been doing nothing but sharing praises about Edwards. Obviously, they spent time together when he was a rookie in Oakland. They already have that report and that chemistry already going right now. And from what he's saying so far, based on this offseason, um, Brian Edwards is looking really great. So those are my looks. I mean, obviously, like I said, as far as the receiver position, we can't overlook the value as far as year round we got to kind of wait to see where they go and follow their adp but i do like drake london this offense and uh, i'm agreeing with you guys with Pitts. desmond ritter to me should win out the quarterback battle i think handedly and i just gotta uh speak to what we alluded to during the show this this kid started almost 51 games in college and he's done nothing but try to lead a, a, a winning program in that time in cincinnati he's the same thing as mariota it's a clone he runs a four five two but, you know, his other tangibles kind of put him a little bit ahead of Mariota, but it's going to be a com- fun, competitive battle there. So that's my take. Next up, we have the Carolina Panthers. Number one wide receiver, DJ Moore. Number two, Robbie Anderson. Filling in the slot, Terrace Marshall. We have at quarterback, Sam Darnold currently. Backing him up, Matt Carroll. And you have CMC, Christian McCaffrey, as the number one running back. Surplanting Cuba Hubbard, we have Deontay Foreman as the backup to Christian McCaffrey. And I think Deontay Foreman, in many instances, is going to end up being the, not the starting running back. Don't hear what I'm not saying. According to Carolina, they're going to be using McCaffrey in the slot quite a bit this year. So if he's in the slot, that means Deontay Foreman is the running back that's filling in as the starter at running back when McCaffrey's playing wide receiver, if that makes sense. He's going to be one of those, you 
guys that you can get to fill in your your bench if anything does happen to happen to christian mccaffrey or if they just choose to really lighten his load this guy is going to be a steal as far as comparing him to what his production is going to be when he got the opportunity and with the titans with tennessee last year when derrick henry got hurt he was able to show and prove and this guy was going to be one of the top dogs when he was drafted and then he ended up getting hurt when he was with the texans and so he had to get healthy and then get out of that Texans situation, but he's showing and proving that his talent is there. As far as quarterback is concerned, here's the thing. like We tend to have a short memory, right? When Christian McCaffrey wasn't hurt and when Sam Darnold wasn't hurt, Sam Darnold had more touchdowns on the ground than any other quarterback. Uh, for like, I want to say like the first month of football prior to him getting hurt, he was putting up decent fantasy numbers on a weekly basis because of that running ability and because of the touchdowns that he was scoring we got to keep that in mind but the other thing to keep in mind is the fact that depending on what happens with this baker mayfield situation sam Darnold might not have a job so there's that end of the spectrum as well baker is going to end up either going to carolina or seattle is what the tvs are saying right now they're just trying to figure out the money situations as far as the browns are concerned but my prognosis is camp is going to be starting here again like i said towards the end of july they're going to want to have him in camp ready to go when that camp starts so we're looking at basically about three four weeks that i believe this decision is going to be made and he's going to be wherever he's going to go as far as that's concerned dj moore he's one of those guys that if he messes around and gets a decent quarterback he may be the most valuable wide receiver in the whole damn league because his talent is way higher than the amount of fantasy points that he normally puts up because he doesn't have anyone to get the ball to even with that being said he's still consistent he still puts up fantasy points especially if we're looking at our ppr leagues and because carolina normally plays from behind he's going to have his target anyone behind him you may have dr jekyll and mr hyde from week when robbie anderson is on he's on when he's off he's off Terrace Marshall, rookie last year, he was uh, hurt for a good bit of time. So we don't really know what we have there yet. I do remember seeing an article uh, this week saying that uh, Terrace Marshall has been showing up in camp and he's looking like what they thought they were going to get last year prior to him having his injury issues. So who knows what we're going to have there. But Carolina could be on the brink of being a decent team. And now is the time to go full throttle in this division because at the time Brady retires, if that happens in the next year or two, he always said he wanted to play through his year 45 season. We'll see how all that goes. But this division is going to be up for grabs. Now is the time to make the power move with your Carolina. That's what I have on this team. Oh, also, I'm going to um, bring this up right now because Joe pissed me off with his bullshit about uh, Nick Chubb being better than Christian McCaffrey. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. So this works out well. See that from that Christian McCaffrey is on is, is the running back on this team for this show. So, um, Joe, go ahead and tell me your assessment of Carolina. And then after you tell me your assessment of Carolina, if you would please, sir, give me your ranking of where you have one Mr. Christian McCaffrey and also your ranking of where you have one Mr. Nick Chubb, I would really appreciate it, sir. Explain no to, the, to, to the listeners why, why, why you're following up nonsense that uh, Nick Chubb is the, is the better option this year for fantasy. If so, I didn't put words in your mouth, or you can. You certainly sometimes did. Text, I feel, sometimes I feel, text can get convoluted. You I know, feel we, like we one, of those, one of those people one of those those females in Texas right now. Could you really put a lot in my mouth right there? Pause for what you just Asshole. said. I said <laughs> hardly any of those things. So to break down the team relatively simple, my main focus is DJ Moore. 
Robbie Anderson don't even want to be there. And I and I, I think he honestly, like, yo, I will do anything to get out of there. But as you already he know. really won't want to be there if Baker goes there. He was Matt, already talking trash about Baker. Matt Rowe like, is really familiar with Robbie, so it's still a relationship there, but he won mm-hmm. out. So I'm not even with that. I do like how they addressed the offensive line. It's slightly improved. It's, it's quite quite a distinction of what it was last year so it does benefit both the pass and run game but there's nothing much there after that christian mccaffrey uh deontay Foreman. i think that's gonna be a good handcuff with deontay he showed a little bit of everything in that playoff game he caught passes as well he ran the ball pretty well that's a great compliment uh this team really lost the identity when he lost mccaffrey but they also never really had that physical presence and that's what he was brought there to do now going to christian mccaffrey my personal uh, taking <laughs> yeah. opinions on him. This guy's a stud, but as I'm more of a person and everybody's philosophy a little bit different, I follow the touches and injuries more so than anything because it's always going to be a, a negative and both a negative positive regression. To me, he is still a top five bet. I think even with the workload that they're saying they're going to do, he's still going to find a way to 300 total touches, no matter how they look at it and they they talk about minimizing that risk. He's still going to end up with at least 300 touches, and we already know how he's going to get it done. So I have him probably, if I had to rank it right now, I'll probably have him as my running back three. Obviously, we know JT is going to be the first before Christ. And then second, Second, we're going to get a dicey, and it's like a 1A, 1B kind of situation between Christian McCaffrey and let me see real quick. I almost want to go Dalvin Cook, but I don't think he's going to be healthy enough. But I do see him as a two or three running back. I think to go to the conversation that was in Dynasty, that was presented in Dynasty, those two are honestly in the same predicament. It's just that one is less of a health concern and already is in a timeshare with Chubb. But I like Chubb's value a lot more uh, relative to the red zone. Though McCaffrey gets it done in the red zone, I just think it's far more opportunity for Chubb in that offense. And what Ben McAdoo, Ben McAdoo like to spread out the you know the red zone and kind of leave it to whoever you know his players is to get not a player but to expose the offense in those predicaments. But Ben McAdoo wasn't a great offensive coordinator. And then with Deontay Foreman, I think that's a great carry over to the offense. And I think that's like, to me, that's like getting a a, a tremendous help to McCaffrey's lifespan. So I'm gotcha. high so on him. What you were saying three, is, gotcha. So, so you weren't saying ranking, you were saying value wise. Value, yeah, exactly. Two, two completely different kinds. So, yeah, see, yeah, he's I, still I, a top three. I, I thought you were yeah. saying ranking. So that's why I was like, how, how? So, so what the other guy was arguing. He was saying, ranking-wise, he has Chubb being a better running back than Christian McCaffrey. So that's why I was losing my damn mind. Like, how? What what are we talking about? (laughs) Value-wise. What what you're saying is value-wise, where you can get Chubb in comparison to, hell, unless you're trading for him, you have to have a very high pick to even have a shot at drafting McCaffrey. Whereas Chubb, anybody can get him because in most cases, he's not going in the first round. So if that's what you choose to do with your first round pick, I wouldn't. But I mean, he's a second round pick in in most drafts. So I see where you're coming from as far as value is concerned. If you went a different direction in the first round, I was I was about to lose my mind thinking that you had him ranked high. That that just didn't. Something went right in my soul after you said that. I was like, is this for real? What the hell is he smoking right now? What you got on Carolina, man? That's kind of hard for me to evaluate a team with so much uncertainty. I get that. We don't even know who the quarterback's going to be. We still hear rumblings of Baker Mayfield being here, right? It won't be Matt Carroll. We know that. So it kind of changes the dynamics. Like, say, for instance, 
And of course, with the Roby Anderson situation, who knows if he's mentally checked in or not. But with a guy like a Baker Mayfield, I like Rashad Higgins more now. You know what I mean? So it's, yeah. it's things yeah, like yeah. that that, yeah. you know, as soon as I see Baker Mayfield sign with the Panthers, I'm grabbing him because he's a guy that already has a rapport okay. with this guy. And from day one, he's going to be looking for him. I understand DJ Moore is the, the guy, but as far as chemistry and comfort, Higgins will probably take a step up. To me, man, I hate to say this because DJ Moore is such a talent. And like you alluded to, with the quarterback situation, he is kind of overvalued. The talent is not, but due to who's throwing him the ball, he's no more than a Pierre Garçon. Mm-hmm. He hasn't had more than four touchdowns a year. Yes, he's uh, a 1,000-yard receiver, but he hasn't touched the end zone more than four times. That's why I specifically um, said PPR, though, just for the yeah. listeners to, to key in on, because he doesn't get the touchdowns, but because for he's sure. their biggest talent. Fourth quarter, you're down by 20. He getting heavily targeted. So that's where the, the points kind of make themselves up. And, and to Vander's point, Higgins will supplant. Rob, Robbie Anderson was just talking about retiring last week. Right. And not only that, but you talk shit about the guy that could possibly be your starting quarterback here in the next week or two. Right. How you think that's going to play out? So, yeah, I, I completely agree with that with Higgins supplanting. Yeah, Anderson. I mean, as if soon as I see it, I'm grabbing Higgins. He's going to be yeah, the guy for I, me. Yeah, you know what I mean? Uh, and that'll be a waiver wire move, most likely. For sure. He's probably available in your leagues right now in the dynasty. And I definitely recommend, again, if you see Baker going to the Panthers, you may want to get on that and grab a Rashad Higgins. He can very well be a good addition to your squad. But I'm one of those people I'm real particular about guys I pick and teams I get. I doubt I will have any Carolina Panthers on my team. Just like I said about the Jacksonville Jaguars, this is another team, like, due to so much uncertainty, they won't be on my team. But, of course, you got Christian McCaffrey, who's a top-ranked running back. He can help you win. Uh, even though he's a first-round pick, he's a guy that I will pass on personally, not due to his talent. And look like, you know, scheme-wise, they're going to get him more. And they're saying in the slot he's going to catch a lot more balls. But I'm not sure as far as his, his durability, you know what I mean, the last couple of years. And it doesn't get easier from here. Guys don't just get stronger as they go unless you're Adrian Peterson. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But this is a team I probably, I, I probably wouldn't have any guys on my squad due to the so much uncertainty on it. But, of course, it's going to be – Chris McCaffrey is a hard guy to pass on if you're picking in your draft first round. I yeah, like who, who would you – okay, so j- just a quick segue. Right. Who would you actually pick over him at this point? Like, say for you, you're picking – let's say you got picked four. I'm, pick I'm three take, or four. Uh, I'm like, I like Austin Eckler. Okay. Um, before him. Uh, I'm even, I'm hasn't even going, he had as many injuries as Christian McCaffrey? Yeah, but – He's not as is leaned on as Christian, if that makes sense. Okay, you know what I mean. Okay. I got he doesn't you. get the um, uh, like Christian has been leaned on. I'm taking I Joe Mixon, who's ranked lower. You're taking Joe Mixon that high? I'll take him over Christian McCaffrey. I'm just giving you an example for guys that's under Christian McCaffrey that I would rather have on my team. Because at least I know with Joe. Gotcha. Okay, okay. Joe may give me all 16, 17 games. You know, I know he's going to be running the ball like he's in a in a better offensive. He's in a better. Op- he's in a better. Uh, Here's a better opportunity. Just like Joe just said, it's not about ranking, it's about value. I just think Joe Mixon is more valuable than Christian McCaffrey, if that makes sense. I'm taking guys like Najee Harris. I may be even taking Nick Chubb, like y'all talked about earlier. If Alvin Kamara was playing from the from day one, I would take him over yeah. Christian McCaffrey. Though like these are some of the guys that's ranked lower, but I will take before him if I had to. And we're about to talk about um, Alvin Kamara in just a second. The New Orleans Saints is the team that's coming up next. And right, so and it's not a, it's not a, it's not a ton of guys, but it's definitely uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, maybe nine running backs 
uh, eight running backs I really had before Christian McCaffrey, if that makes sense. So, okay, so let me make this a little bit tougher on both of you. Draft-wise, not value-wise, who who do you pick above? I just what other guys that are in his same vein? That's, you, you're at pick three. I'm, you're not I'm picking taking, Joe Mixon. I'm taking Henry, Henry, Eckler, Cook, Mixon, Harris, Kamara, Chubb, or Kamara if we want for the suspension. And Nick Chubb. These are the guys I would take in front of him. For me. Okay. If I'm yeah. at three. But, but, okay, but, but hold on, though. Here's the thing. If you're taking that guy at pick three, didn't you remove the value? Because the value comes into play as as where you can pick those guys in comparison to Christian McCaffrey. Right, but the thing about it, if you pick a, if you pick some of these guys at three, guess what number four is going to do? Take McCaffrey. Pick Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not like he's going to swap places with the guy that you pick. You know what I mean? He's not going to fall in the back of the draft. The right, guy right, coming right, behind right. you is going to be like, "Oh, I got me a steal. I got Christian McCaffrey." No, no, no. What what I'm saying is like what what for for our listeners' sake. Like may, maybe they have pick number three, pick number four. Right. You know, I, obviously you had maybe Jonathan Taylor go number one. If it's mm-hmm. a super flex, maybe maybe Allen went number two. Mm-hmm. But maybe so. So now you're at, at three. You're kind of in a conundrum of it, it's a little bit too early to get top wide receiver on the board. For my taste, it's a little bit too early to go with the second best quarterback on the board. So that leaves running back. Right. And now I'm stuck between, I guess what I'm looking at is Christian McCaffrey, Derrick Henry, and Austin Eckler. I guess that's the, the tier we're looking at. Would you agree? Yeah, but I'm taking Cook, Mixon, and Cook, Najee. Yeah, I, would put Cook in, I would put Cook in that yeah. tier. Uh, Mixon, Najee Cook. Harris, and Chubb. Those are guys I'm taking in front of him for my liking, okay. for what I'm trying to do. You know what I'm saying? I mean, look how many people have gotten Christian McCaffrey in these last two years, and he sat, he sat on the shelf. He played seven games last year, right? And played three games a year before. So you you and, and and think about it. The guys that picked him in the last two years, they picked him with these those are the first two or three picks in your draft. Yeah. McCaffrey was the guy. So imagine those guys. I'm pretty sure they probably didn't win their league. So are you saying you're planning for an injury for him? I'd rather go with somebody that's a little more reliable. If you look at the games they actually played, he actually put up on a if you look at a per game type situation. Well, not last year, but the year before. Because last year he only averaged twelve fantasy points a game. Now, the year that he only played three games, he averaged 24 points a game. Crazy. I agree. But it doesn't get any easier from there. It's, he's trending down. Okay. He's 26 years old. What would you say about that? That's oh, what uh, you, uh, The uh, difference uh, is uh, we're talking you, about when you look at a peak, right? His peak is number one overall. So what I'm saying is he's not that anymore. He's unlikely to ever see that again. But his I put you like this, other right? people's peak are way different. So him falling from his peak is different than, let's say, a... But we never I seen... Don't I don't think we... His peak, he's not getting it no more. That's it. Right. That's, I agree. Yeah. I agree. So... What I'm saying, his peak is so high that if he has a new norm, he's still better than most, is what I'm saying. No, but his new norm is going to be just as good as these other guys, I think. The Ecklers. That's what I'm saying. I yeah, agree. So, yeah, so I'm taking them. I put you like this, right? The only way I would take McCaffrey with that third pick... If they give him a wide receiver designation as well, that will make a big okay. difference. Now, if okay. they say they're gonna play him, now that yeah. makes him now that that changes the whole the whole game right there, right? Yeah. Yeah. If they're yeah. saying, "Hey, we're gonna play this guy in the slot," and they give him like the same thing they had with uh, Cordell Patterson last year, yeah, he got a wide receiver slash. Now, now he becomes a weapon. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Now he's extremely valuable. Probably the most That's valuable piece, piece right there. Right. <laughs> Probably the most yeah. valuable piece on the board because you yeah, can slide I this agree. guy in at your wide receiver three spot. Like, and this is killer. 
You know what I'm saying? Especially if you're the guy yeah. that got the studs at the top. You got the Jefferson, you got the Chase, and then you'll receive a three as McCaffrey. Like, let's go look crazy. You know what I'm saying? So that's when he becomes extremely valuable to me. If he can get that. If that, that happens, he's two hey, position uh, designation. He's more valuable than JT at that point. For, for sure. For sure. Especially if you're in a, one of those standard leagues where there's no flex oh, yeah. position. Oh, yeah. And it's just wide receiver, wide receiver, running back, running back. Oh, man. What? Yeah, he's the most valuable piece on the board at that point. Let's see if they do that. Let's see. It's possible. They said they're gonna play my receiver, so who knows? I don't I don't know how they judge that. It's like like once you play a certain percentage at a position, they they change your designation. I, I don't know how that works, but or maybe they have to put it on the depth chart and then they make changes in fantasy based on what the depth chart for the team says. I, I don't really know how that works, but you're absolutely one hundred percent spot on with that take. If, if if that is to happen, man, boy, oh boy. Yeah, that that, that changes can, the ball. That changes everything. Ball. Yeah. <laughs> it changes everything. Uh, we have new, the New Orleans Saints up next. So with New Orleans, we have Michael Thomas as the number one wide receiver. Chris Olave, the rookie, is the number two receiver. You have Jarvis Landry as the slot guy. You have Adam Trotman at tight end. At quarterback, you have Jameis Winston backed up by Andy Dalton. Running back, you have Alvin Kamara. You have Mark Ingram. And then backing up Mark Ingram is Divine Azigbo. Vander. We talk about values, right? How far do you think Alvin Kamara falls based on the fact that he's going to be suspended for six games? And how far is too far to whereas he is now a value again and you know exactly how long you're going to be without him? So as long as you have a plan at that position, whether it be handcuffing him with Mark Ingram or if you just have other running backs that you can utilize until he returns and then from week seven on, you have a guy who's fresher than every other running back that's been getting beat up for a month and a half, and now he's going. He, he's at peak in, in pole position. So, so my my question to you again is: How far do you think? Well, it's a two two part question. How far do you think he'll fall based on the suspension? And then how far is too far to where he's now valued? I think people are gonna pick him as early as round three. Okay. Because uh, some people are going to just wait. Uh, some people going to just go ahead and grab their first two running backs they can grab. And then in the third round, if he comes back around, they're going to take him. Like, Would you? If I'm, if I'm in a, a flex league, uh, yeah, okay. I would. I would. But if, if I can go ahead and get my two studs out the way, let's say, for instance, I'm picking like first or something. Let's say if it's you grab like a Jonathan Taylor and then it comes back around and then you're grabbing like a – who will probably come back to you? Maybe uh running back or wide receiver? Running back. Okay. Maybe a Saquon Barkley can come back. Because all yeah. these guys are far down. Yeah. So hell yeah, I'm taking Kamara with that. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Ezekiel Elliott. So if I can start with Jonathan Taylor, Ezekiel Elliott, and then with that third pick, I'm picking right back to back and Kamara's still there in my face. Yeah. Like okay. you you take him there because then it depends on how and also now if you're kind of a novice, you may want to just go ahead and get your team together and don't don't mess with them. But a lot of guys know how to absorb these injuries and right. suspensions Absolutely. and things like that. Like we've been playing long enough where we, we remember the times where Le'Veon was out or remember the times that, you know, certain guys were out for a, a, a period of time and you still was able to wait and still was able to be in the midst of your league and be right there, you know, still in the playoff hunt. You know what I mean? Some Absolutely. guys can really mess their strategy up, grab a guy like Kamara early and then, He's going for six weeks, and now you're like one in five, right. trying to wait on him. You Man, know what I mean? The whole time, right? You can't end up trading him anyway. Right. You, so you're too far for the more skilled uh, owners, 
I think you should do it because these are guys that know how to like um, weigh the, the, you know, weigh in the water and, 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 and fight through the storm and still be a five and one or still be four and two when he comes back. You know what I mean? So some guys know how to do this thing. Some guys have a little issue with it because, you know what I mean, due to not being that skill of a drafter. Me, of course, me personally, I would. People going to take him early as third round. And hell, if, you, if he's dropping in the fourth and fifth round, I mean, you got to grab him no matter what, I think. Like, he shouldn't drop that far, but it's going to be guys like him and DeAndre Hopkins that you will see. It's, it's, it's kind of interesting to see where these guys fall due to the suspensions. And they can help you win your league later. You may not start yeah. off. Because you know me, Zay. Come on. Like, I do this every year. And Joe, he'll tell you. All you, you got to do is get to the playoffs. Every year, <laughs> I'm, I'm losing the first. I lose like the first four games every Two, year. Two, three, four games, yeah. And then it's the streak. Then I then because I win like nine in a row because prognostication, I'm, seeing right. what others don't see yet. Right. I'm trying to see how to because you know every year the league is different and you're trying to see. My, I'm, I'm like Mayweather when he fighting. I take the first four rounds off, so I very well lose my first four weeks. This is every year because I'm trying to see the way the league is going this year and see who's doing what and get an idea of how it's going. And then I make my my trade my adjustment, and then I'm just down here from there. And he, but, he'll but, tell you. Let, let me let me let me say this though. For, for the listeners, right? I need to paint you a better picture of how this particular strategy works, right? And, and this is not for the novices, okay? The only way that this works is if you stockpile a certain position mm-hmm. so that way you have leverage to be able to go out and make purchases based on what you've seen that others haven't quite seen yet. Right. And in that moment, it may look like you gave up too much. But when you know what you know and you can see what's about to happen versus making moves based on what's already happened, it puts you in a better spot. So if all of your players are down, you don't have the the currency to be able to go and make moves based on what you think may happen later on. So this is something that you have to have. And let's say the reason you may be losing is because you have three running backs, three quarterbacks, three wide receivers on your bench that aren't scoring people that you had to start based on where you stockpiled and there is no spot for those additional people to start. Let's say for leagues that don't have, you know, multiple flexes and things of that nature. So now you have currency on your bench that you can go out and get that running back that you see, you know, that that rookie running back that people aren't paying attention to that's about to take over for that starter. And it looks like you actually got the bad end of the deal. And then the next thing you know, for the next 12 weeks, you got a rookie that was a top 10 running back that people didn't see coming. But you have to have what their other team needed, and you're taking something from them that they didn't realize was a game. That's the only way that strategy works, and it right. is very much involved. And and, and also it depends what kind of drafter you are. You know, we've been Absolutely. in leagues. you got guys that draft. To, this is going to be their team. Whatever team they drafted at the end of the season is going to look the exact same. Yeah. And then you got guys like myself. I draft to trade. So a lot of times I'm picking value in my draft versus maybe guys that I'm, I'm looking at actually starting. So a lot of times I draft players knowing that someone else will want them, if that makes sense. So I guess it depends on your strategy. And, and as we get later into the, the season, we're going to go over draft strategy and things of that nature. So we'll teach you some of these techniques and things of that nature that you can use in your league. But it just depends on how you go about it. But definitely Camaro, I think third round, you should start looking for him, especially if you're picking in the beginning of your draft. Like the Jonathan Taylor. The rest of these guys in uh, uh, New Orleans. Man, I, I like I like Jameis Winston. Okay, I think you think he can, he's gonna be healthy? I know he's still kind of limping around right now. Do you think? Yeah, I, I that's think he's part for the course for now, or should I, he be I, further along? 
I think he'd be fine because he's actually on he's on the field. I mean, right. they're yeah. throwing the ball, so it's, you know it's not like he's in the on, the on the training table. So you know if he's limping, he's still available to do that. So I think as the days go by, he'd get a clearance. I think this guy's gonna push quarterback one numbers. I mean, due to these weapons he got. I mean, Michael Thomas. I hope he comes back to Michael Thomas of old. We're hearing some of the greatest things out of Olave out of camp. I think he fits Jameis' skill set as far as yeah. getting vertical, absolutely uh, pushing the ball downfield. You got Jarvis Landry, who's going to be from twenty to twenty chain mover. I mean, pff, like the three best receivers you see on the team, like besides like the Bengals and things like that. Like this is a pretty good setup. And Kamara, when he returned, I do want to point out one guy. I know a lot of people's going to be on Mark Ingram due to the Kamara suspension, but kind of keep your eyes on Abram Smith. The undrafted uh, guy out of Baylor. He's been some good news to come out of him out of camp. He's currently listed kind of in the back of the, of the running back room. But guys like Tony Jones Jr., who hasn't really shown much when he got the opportunity. Dwayne Washington, we already seen what he does because he's been in the league for a while. And uh, also for Azebo, I think Abram Smith is going to push to get some, some carries. Um, he's looking good in camp. A lot of news come out of him. And I wouldn't be surprised if another veteran or someone is signed on this team because they did bought in, I believe, Duke Johnson. Or was that David Johnson? Which Duke, one is the free agent? Duke is, Duke is in um, so it was David. Buffalo. All right, so David yeah, Johnson yeah. actually mm-hmm. visited this team. A deal wasn't able to be made. So that means they are looking for someone else to possibly add. Yeah. Because Mark Ingram, he played okay when uh, Kamara was out last year, but he's not a Mark Ingram old. I mean, he's 32 years old. I mean, go figure and I so, do want to bring up the fact that with Jameis Winston, he has baked in advancement, right? What I mean by that is for the first six weeks, he won't have, uh, although Kamara is a running back, he won't have one of his best pass catchers. So whatever he does in that first month and a half, expect more from him come week seven on because he's going to have one of the guys that can catch it two yards from the line of scrimmage and take it to the house. So he may be one of those guys that if you don't draft, that when people weren't thinking about the effect of a running back on a quarterback, maybe you trade for him a month in, um, whether he's doing well or whether he's just below doing well, knowing that he's going to make that come up. I'm going to start with Jameis Winston. I'm just not. Maybe it's the maybe I, when I see him like training and, and rehabbing, I'm thinking YMCA, thinking boys and girls, boys and girls club. I'm thinking like. <laughs> You know, going to my grandma, going to a doctor. Those pictures too. <laughs> and then when I'm thinking about him training, I'm thinking about him being in the projects and shit and doing a whole bunch of motions and assimilating a whole bunch of pass rushes that got nothing to do with football. I'm just turned off by him. I get it's a level of loyalty. You know what I mean? It's the same guy that's been coaching him up since he's been in high school and, and so on and so forth. But, James, you got to do better. You know, like you know, before I would say, oh, you know, it's Bruce Arians' system, and, you know, a lot of people throw interceptions, which is true. They typically throw a ton of interceptions their first year in the system. But it's just with him, it's like God gave him ability versus, you know, fundamentals. And I think that's the thing that kind of keeps me off of him a lot is the fundamentals. I don't think he's going to be a bad quarterback, but I'll take him at value. Like, if I get one court stud quarterback and I ignore, every, I ignore it to the very end, and he's there, I, I would take him. But I don't see much value outside of that. Going over to running back, I don't, I'm sorry. I don't see no value there. Kamara is such a volume back that it's just like, even when he does come back, he needs so many touches to even get present value. Obviously, he's going to catch a ton of passes. But his explosiveness seems like it was zapped. Like, I don't think it's there anymore, that breakaway ability he once had. Uh, but he's a fine runner still. I think he's still 
going to be productive, but just not to the the clip that we used to. Going so, what round would be a value for you as far as getting Kamara? If I could get uh, Kamara, and I think Vander said the third. I think he said the third. Yeah, round, he said the third. So. I, I think it's fair value had, on uh, the latter end of it. Though. I'm not going to get him the first few picks in the third. No, nah, but if he on the latter end of it, and I'm on the back end of the draft, definitely. It's just with the other running backs, they're all the same kind of run. All these motherfuckers are slow. Sorry for my language, but that's just the disparaging difference. They all slow. It's nobody that's a change of pace. I'll take Kamara at value, but I'm not forcing it. I'm going to wide receiver. Mike Thomas is doing pretty well with rehab. I think he's going to miss an extended time to start the season. But the things that he all he is able to do with his foot, it just goes to show you that he needed to have gotten that surgery done a lot sooner. The one that they did the second procedure around to clean everything up. He should have been got it because some of the things he's able to do now, he, sh- he would have been recovering from last season. But nonetheless, Mike Thomas, when healthy, is going to be a value. But a lot of people aren't saying his name, but Chris Olave needs some respect. This guy is going to be probably asked in the short term and not the indefinite future because Jarvis Landry always get hurt. He looked great in shorts. He looked great <laughs> the first couple games, and then he dropped the fucking ball. Olave is that dude. This motherfucker gets separation. He's the closest thing to OBJ, in my personal opinion, right now. But he don't have no lapses in concentration. He's going to make it happen. And I just love his 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 way he gets separation. He stacked the like, He does everything fundamentally on a level that's really remarkable considering he's a rookie. So I think he has that going for him. I like the value in Olave, but again, I'm not, I'm, I'm going to find his ADP. And if he slips a few rounds after that, I'm going to grab him, but I'm not going to be pressed. Cause I think where he's going to come at, you're going to still be able to get some viable uh, receivers. Like a Mike Williams might be still there. Um, a few other pieces that you would that you see starter value off the bat. I would take his ADP and, and put it back a, a, a round or two and just see if he's still there. But that's added value. I think he's gonna he possibly can extend himself to a thousand yards easy and based on his skill set what he'll be asked to do in this offense. But that's all I got for the Saints. Lastly, we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers number one wide receiver Mike Evans, Chris Godwin at number two. Although we you know. Just discuss the fact that he's probably going to end up on the six-week pup list. We have Russell Gage as the slot guy. Rashad Perriman is the backup. Then they have Tyler Johnson and uh, Cyril Grayson. Tight end, they have Cameron Brake and Cade Otten. And at running back, they have Leonard Fournette, Rashad White, Keyshawn Vaughn. Quarterback is obviously one time. Brady backing him up, you have Blaine Gabbert. This team is going to be what they have been. Not really much to speak on as far as wide receiver concerned. Mike Evans is Mike Evans. He will continue to be. Chris Godwin hopefully will be Chris Godwin whenever he returns, but I can see uh, Russell Gage being in that slot being essentially he's going to be Tom Brady's Edelman. So in PPR, he may be one of the one, one of my sleepers, one, one of my guys that have been slept on as far as value is concerned because just that position in general Regardless of what the name is on it, if Tom Brady's throwing the football, the slot guy is going to eat. So he's a guy I may inch a little bit further up my board just based on the consistency that I think he'll have. At running back, I feel about Leonard Fournette the same way Joe expressed um, he felt about Jarvis Landry. This guy's going to get hurt. That is just what he does. He's out of shape now, which makes it more likely that he's going to get hurt. And Rashad White is already nipping at his heels. Rashad White may be one of those rookie running backs that ends up in a starting position based on happenstance. 
he's already um, usurped Keyshawn Vaughn in the depth chart. Um, so I, I think White may be one of those guys that you can put on the tail end of your bench that nobody's really checking for. And regardless of whether it's his whether it's his touches that he gets when Leonard Fournette is in the game or if and when Leonard Fournette goes down, he's the next guy up. I think he'll have a little bit of value in either way. It's a little bit of value. I'm not going to lie. I like everything that you said about White. He has tremendous value. Like you already know, I like to deep dive with rookies. I always like to get people before they go off or before they become it. And I like his moxie. I like his character. Like he's like, you know, they tried to compare him to um, Jones that just left there. He's like, no, I'm definitely not him. Like it was way more disrespectful for the night, but he went on to say he definitely, he's his own back. He's better than him, if anything else. And he has that ability, like you said. He has you know, he has all the talking points that you listed. Fournette is always going to present value, but you talk about somebody that can do everything that Leonard Fournette does, but is more explosive. That's what you're getting out of a back like him. Um, then I'll just turn my eyes to Russell Gage. I mean, Godwin. Unfortunately, he's been nicked up for so long. On top of the ACL, quite sure it's going to take him a few weeks to be informed and, and to really come back into the fold in the offense. But talk about getting a good wide receiver in Russell Gage. I know he's not like he's not somebody that's going to stand out as far as being a prominent name, but for somebody that could be a filler and like how they always mention trade value and we talk about trade value on the show, he's somebody that's going to give you four or five weeks of productivity and that you can leverage that to, you know, to finish off a trade, to top off a trade and get him right before Godwin comes back. Because make no mistake about it, Godwin is used everywhere in his field. And once he gets back into the fold, Gage's value is going to be minimal because they also have Perriman, they have Cecil Grayson. They got, you know, they got people, other people that are the same type of niche as him. But while he's productive and he's going to be asked to be the number two receiver, milk it up and then then ship him on. Mike Evans is Mike Evans. I, I think, you know, getting away from... Arian's way of doing things, even though it's the same thing with Leftwich, I think it's going to open up a little bit more to Mike Evans. Uh, Mike Evans, I was going to be asked to do a lot by default, but a lot of the times he was just asked to be a decoy and be a vertical threat to kind of take away the wide, you know, the DB or the coverage to soften it up for somebody else. I think they're going to get creative and they're going to use him a lot more and spread him and target him a lot more, and it's going to stick the rest of the season. And then lastly, um, as far as tight end, Cameron Bray is cool, I guess, but get ahead in the getting ahead of the trend. I like Kate Olton. Similar to when Jimmy Graham and then Cole Komet, it was like, oh, it's Jimmy Graham, and then it's just Cole Komet. Oh shit, Cole Komet. Oh, Cole Komet could be a stud. That's the same thing you can expect out of uh, Kate Olton. It's not something that you go ahead and you draft him but you keep him in mind uh, relative to year round. I've been using the word watch list, but I like to use it a lot. So I can always look week to week and see where the value is and what's available and and getting ahead of the trends to take a player before he's due to kind of take off. But Kate is a great vertical threat. He has all the the same measurables as Cameron Bate. I think what you're getting with him is just a younger guy. He's already route savvy. He knows how to sit in the zone. He knows how to block. And I think, you know, who better than Tom Brady to to get him the ball? And he liked to run two tight ends a lot. So that's where he's going to see some added value most immediate. Okay. Where do I begin? Hmm. Leonard Fournette. Man, Leonard Fournette going to be, he's going to be like that. I, I don't, everybody like, oh, Rashad White. I mean, what's the one thing that Rashad White does well? Catch the ball, right? 
Leonard Fournette does that. He can catch the ball at the backfield. I mean, with limited playing time last year, he finished 11 overall out of running backs. Him being the lead dog this year, I'm looking for big things out of Fournette. I don't really think the Rashad White drum is loud enough. I think Fournette, he's a three-down back. Uh, I, I think, and I think he'll he'll be just that. I don't think Rashad, unless it's an injury, then you may see a little more Rashad White. But I don't think right. He's That's much what of I'm a, banking on to be yeah, honest. That's yeah, but he's he's not much of a threat unless that happens. I don't think you know everybody thinking he's going to take time away from Fournette. I don't see it. Mike Evans has just been catapulted a little bit more for me. He's mm-hmm. kind of like the Rodney Dangerfield of wide receivers. <laughs> he don't get no respect. You know what I'm saying? Like, year in, year out, there's no respect for Mike Evans. It's like always like seven guys and then eight guys and then Mike Evans. On all your rankings, year to year, write it down. It's going to be like seven receivers around this dude, and then it'll be him. In the last four years, he hasn't finished nothing less than nine. And uh, with this... Uh, new Chris Godwin, PUP, Pup List News. I think he takes a bump. I can see this guy like, and, and oh, two things. Not only that, but Gronk leaving, right? So now there's no more red zone threat. He's the only red zone threat on the team. Ooh, yeah, you're right. So, I, and that's usually what he does anyway. Think about it. You know, right. you look at a, a Buccaneers game and he'll have 60 yards and three touchdowns. You know what I'm saying? It's like, he didn't, <laughs> right. he, he didn't do shit. You know what I'm saying? He, he caught three balls, but they all three were touchdowns. I think we're going to see a lot more of that. He's going to get a little more targets between the 20s because he's the guy. I mean, I know everybody's saying, you know, Russell Gage and Brady came out and said we're going to need a little more Russell Gage. But don't sleep on uh, Cyril Grayson okay. because he's the guy next in line with Gowan being out. And he had limited right. playing yeah, Gage, time. Gage is going to be in the slot. Yeah, right. Well, Cyril Grayson is the is the guy that's behind Godwin in that Right. Time. So if you're in Dynasty – uh, leagues like that. I went not year in, but Dynasty Leagues, man, take a look at Cyril Grayson. Uh, he didn't play much, but when he did play last year, I remember he had an 80-yard game and a touchdown. And this guy is track speed fast. Like, he's a track runner. So he has that speed. He's the vertical threat on this team. So I would be aware of him. I think he can definitely be a sneaky play, maybe your last pick of your draft and things like that. I think he could do well because the Buccaneers will throw the ball. They're going to throw the yeah. ball. I mean, so... Mike Evans, again, we know what he does. They they have high hopes for Russell Gage, but this guy Grayson, he's another year in the system, and we've seen him do well when given an opportunity. Tom Brady is Tom Brady. I mean, the guy right. just like yeah. the fountain of youth. Like, he doesn't get old. He just, he just threw for 5,000 yards. He's a value in redraft because he's right. old. I mean, ageism, I guess. People are picking him later, but he, he's putting up better numbers than when he was with New England. I, I mean, he should have won the MVP last year. I, mean, if you look I agree. At, if you look at the numbers, like, I understand what Rodgers did. He had a great season, but this dude threw for 5,000 yards last year <laughs> at the age of 67. You know what I mean? So, And he's like, what, quarterback, like, what, six, seven? Yeah, the he's something like that. So that's really, I mean, as far as the tight end, the Cameron Bate, Cade, Oten, like, the rookie tight ends, are, unless you are, like, the next coming, I don't trust him. You know what I'm saying? Of course, like the Jimmy Grahams, the, the Gronks. The Kyle Pitts, if you can see these guys coming, that's one thing. They tend to have a little easier transition, but I don't like tight ends uh, first year coming into the league. They don't really do much. Uh, so, Are you going to throw Cameron Braid in that zero tight end strategy back? I will. I will. I will. Just because of opportunity. Like, there's right. balls that go around, so he got to get some love. I mean, we've seen Cameron Braid have some decent games. Absolutely. So I think if you're doing a zero tight end, uh, maybe a last or next to last pick of the draft, I definitely would take Cameron Brick if he's available for sure and be and be comfortable with him in my lineup. Because I don't, I don't think Cade is 
even though he's a talent, again, rookie tight ends don't translate well usually the first year, unless you're like one of them ones. And he's not one of them ones, even though he's a good tight end. I still think he's going to have a little, I mean, no different than, uh, look at, uh, what's the guy who's in Detroit? The tight end. Hawkinson. Like his first year wasn't like, he had that one good game and then (laughs) that was it for that first year. You know what I mean? So it's it's a little hard to transition for tight ends. And I just see the same thing for him. Even though I have him like a Friar Ruth and things like that, he's in that class of a tight end. But I just think his first year is going to be a learning a learning curve. So I'm, I don't think he's much of a threat or really going to give you much value um, only on the dynasty end, not on a year end, uh, year to year uh, end. So. And that pretty much wraps up the NFC South divisional breakdown. Next week, we have a couple of options here i think we're going to end up either going with the values or breakouts but either way it's going to kind of kick off the start of the shows that you don't want to miss regardless of uh you know if you have to go back and catch up on whatever it may be these next few shows leading into the season man i promise you it's going to set you apart from those that wait till a week before the draft and pick up a magazine or go to a website and have no context for the information they're seeing they're just taking it as the gospel i promise you we're going to be able to break down these players their values the rounds they've been drafted in how you can go about creating the best team based on values and there are going to be some breakouts where if you see them coming before they get here you're going to have trade bait like you wouldn't believe people will give up the tried and true for the hotness and in some cases it's worth doing it and in some cases you may want to hold on to what you got because if your hotness over these last few years was a chase or a jesting and you thought you were getting value you screwed yourself so make sure you tune in now is when we lock in now is when we get our advantage and now is when we make sure that we kick the crap out of anybody who dares challenge us as far as fantasy is concerned this is where the work comes in but for now we out Thank you.